Okay, welcome. We are in Parshas Vayechi, and we're going to address, or the Rebbe is going to address, a very, very important question that I've definitely asked many a time, and I think it's something that we've learned and we've heard, but I don't, I've never really got an answer that satisfied me until this week, so I'm excited to share. And the question is, there's a concept that the beginning of exile, the beginning of of Galut is always is actually the seed of redemption. That the moment we start a process of exile, that's actually the the seed of what's birthing Geula redemption. So how can that be, right? It it, it really just makes no sense. Like it says that um, when we entered into Mitzrayim into Egypt, like the children. That's going to be next week. But the children of Yaakov and um, you know get settled in the land of Mitzrayim, and it says that this is the beginning of the redemption from Adam Mitzrayim. And this week, the Rebbe says something that it just initially it could just shock your brain. It just makes no sense. He says that the week that the Rebbe gave the sicha, Asar Bateves, which is a fast day, which in our year this calendar it fell out last week on Friday. But the year that the Rebbe gave the Sicha, Asar Bateves, fell out this week in the same Parsha Vayechi. And so he's making a lot of connections. And he says there's something about Asar Bateves, which is the beginning of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, right? Because it happened in a process. Asar Bateves is the first stage where the Romans actually came and put a siege around the walls of Yerushalayim. And as, as their tactic, their war tactic to weaken the people of Yerushalayim, so they wouldn't be able to go in and out and get food. Eventually being able to come in and have the power to be able to, you know, wreak havoc and kill people and destroy the base of Migdash. And it all started in Asar Batevis when they started the siege. And the Rebbe says, and what, and Vayichi is the opposite. Vayichi is aliveness and, you know, fully alive and fully being your, your best self. Like when you're like completely whole in yourself. And the rabbi says there's a connection that Asara Bateves, which is the siege of the walls of the Beis Amigdash, is the beginning of the process of getting to Vayechi, becoming fully alive. So we have to, we have to make sense of this. And initially, it makes no sense. So I'm going to bring you right away to us. Make it like, you know, give an answer right away. So each of these Beis Amigdashes and the journey represents our own life and our own bodies. Because as we said, like, you know, the Rebbe is constantly telling us the third base of Mingdash is our body, it's our home. And the first base of Mingdash represents our first us, our first version of ourselves. The, 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 the version of ourselves that we work really, really hard to build and construct based on the way we were raised, based on society, based on our parents, based on exile mentality. And very often, pretty much always because even though you know people say no I wasn't traumatized I'm fine exile is trauma exile is a trauma a traumatic state so we if, if you grew up in exile which we all did we're all suppressed on some level or you know people pleasing on some level or trying to get validation or worth outside of ourselves on some level you know there's it's a spectrum but our, the first base of Mikdash, again, is like our first version of ourselves, which often is my mother decided I need to be this, and my father said I need to be this. And, you know, this is what always got me attention, and this is what gave me a sense of value, and um, this is what got me attention, or this is how I'm going to get more money. 
And often the first place on Migdash represents, represented a transcendent state. It was all holy, all miraculous, but it wasn't grounded. We know that it was like transcendent. So the first version of ourselves is usually transcendent, whether it means super, super spiritual or super hyper-focused or super in the head. That Being in the head, like very, very mind control or very like hyper-focused in the head, out of body is considered transcendent because it's out of body. And what happens is, is that this, this version, the, the me that we, that we create from childhood is the only, is, the, is usually coming from survival and coming as a way to get love or attention. And because it's a survival version of ourselves, we create layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of walls around ourselves because God forbid anyone should mess with this version of ourselves or anyone take us down or anyone mess because, you know, again, this version of ourselves is usually very attached to, to worth or, you know, needing people's love outside of ourselves. So we have to have all these walls around us because if someone, God forbid, pokes at that space that makes us feel not loved or not valued or not validated, it's going to hurt so much because it's, it's the whole version is, is built off of external needs. And so we have all these walls. Now what happens is you're going to see, I'm going to answer the question right away, but then we're going to go deeper and deeper and, and bring in many different points that the Rebbe says that's just mind-blowing and beautiful. So how is the destruction or the siege around the city of Yerushalayim, the first step of getting to Vayechi, eternal life, full aliveness, Ula, redemption, is that first time that someone comes outside of you and starts poking at the version, again, your first version of you starts poking at your deep, deep walls that you've constructed around yourself, starts, you know, getting, making a, like a little dent into like, you know, your protection, that and, and squeezing you is the, fir- is, is, is the first step of the destruction of the, your old version and the beginning of your true redemption. Because as long as there's a certain point that we can live disconnected and disassociated and very strong in our old version of ourselves and feel we're empowered, we're empowered, we're perfect, we're getting love, we're getting value, everything's good. And then at some point, everyone has, and probably everyone on this class, because, you know, you have to go through something to um, even be open to this kind of learning, I believe. You know, I believe we've all probably gone through something to all be here together. Um, so that moment when it's like, you know, maybe you could go 15 years, 20 years, maybe 30 years that you feel like you've got it together and then something in your life starts shattering that outer wall. And at first it's just a siege. Like the Rebbe said that at first it just, the, the Romans didn't actually destroy anything. They just surrounded. And that's like the point where you start feeling squeezed. You start feeling uncomfortable. Like there's an energy outside of you that starts, starts feeling like it's holding you, you know, and, and attacking you. And the Rebbe said that actually the siege lasted for quite a few months because Hashem's goal, goal was not to actually destroy. It was to squeeze the Yidin to do Teshuvah, to return, to realize, wow, you know, everything we set up, we thought that it was unstoppable, uncompromisable, you know, that nothing ever is going to come our way. And now we see, look, these Romans are having power over us. We got to return. We got to do Teshuvah. We got to come to our inherent self. But the Jews didn't do teshuva, and you know they were scared for sure, but they didn't actually return. And so the Romans had to go further, further, further to the point of actual destruction. And that's a message to us that 
a lot of the, the, the faster we feel the squeeze around us and we feel uncomfortable, the faster we tune in and we say something is here to teach us something, to break something of my old me, my old version of myself, an old wall that's not serving me, that's protecting me from feeling my true self, from accessing my true self. And what is this? The, the faster that we can transform and the faster that we can access Hashem's essence and we don't have to go through so much suffering because the continued state of the Romans actually had to go in and, and burn and destroy was because we didn't wake up. And that's sometimes with ourselves, it's like we feel a squeeze and then we feel more squeeze and then we feel shattered and then we feel panic and then we feel like we can't, you know, it's just, it's our body screaming more and more and more and more. And it's never a punishment and it's never to destroy us, it's to destroy the parts of us that we work so hard to create, to protect us, that's not our true self. And it's not, it's not a state of freedom and it's not actually accessing our essence. It's, it's just a walled, afraid version of ourselves. Okay, um, I'm gonna pause here before I continue. Does anyone wanna express anything or ask? No? Okay, both Rachel's, Rachel's. Go for it. Um, Tamsin, go first, and then another Rachel. So I'm going to say what you're saying is so 100% accurate. I remembered ex as you were saying the exact moment, and it was so insignificant at the time, but it did start a complete chain of events and a civil for me in my life of mm -hmm. looking after myself instead of thinking I was literally here only to be a healer, not to have any kind of relationships, anything on myself. Just amazing what you're saying is like, Thank you. <laughs> and I'm sorry I turned off the camera because I was crying. <laughs> I, I, I know you already and I figure and I understand. And <laughs> no, I and I, I just want to reflect that, of course, the reason why I could see this in the Sikha and relate to it is because it's my journey too. You know, I had the total first version of myself and completely walled up and all fear-based and all, you know, fear of abandonment, needing love, needing attention, like having out together. And that first squeeze, oh my gosh, it was like, and we fight and we fight and we fight and resist because the first version of ourselves works to a certain point, you know? Mm. And then, and, and really, and then over time, the more you realize like every, every, at first we're so scared of the destruction, right? It feels like the death of ourselves, but the more we allow the destruction to, and the, the more we experience that the result of a destruction of a part of ourselves actually brings us to more freedom and more of our true self and more authenticity and more light and more, flow what happens is that the relationship changes and we start understanding oh this is coming to break down a wall to bring more freedom and more light and more essence so thank you thank you for coming to break down something that is not actually serving me it's hurting me and I, it feels like death but it's not actually me dying it's my coping mechanism dying so i can land into something so right. much stronger right amazing yeah. thank you um Rachel, Hannah, you want to say something? Hi, sorry, it's a tad hectic, but um, I just wanted to say that I've had this intense pain for... I've had this intense pain for a really long time, and um, I've been looking for solutions for it for a really long time, and um, I've done a lot of healing work and everything, and basically these sikhas are validating me that what I'm experiencing makes sense 
and that there's a path to heal it in a nutshell. Yes. Yes. Yay. Exactly. And, and, and what's so unbelievable is that the deeper we crumble of our old selves, the more, more of our new, of the third base of Megdash, our internal, eternal self, our alive self comes out. So it's like, in a sense, the more extreme it is, it's just the more, the more closer we're getting. Yeah, Ali Shava. I see your hand raised. Actually, thank you. It's just a technical question. You said that had the Jewish people, like the siege was just uh, like a wake up call mm-hmm. and it, the destruction didn't have to happen. Is that what the Rebbe is saying? Yeah, but so, so everything, you know, you can't, not every single part of, every story fits into every aspect, but there's a lesson to everything. So what the Rebbe, yes, the Rebbe said very, very clearly in his words in the Sikha that, that it was just a wake-up call to do Teshuva, and if the Yidin would have done Teshuva, then that destruction wouldn't have had, had, had to happen. And I believe what the Rebbe is saying is that in our own life, the faster and faster we t- tune into when our body feels uncomfortable or when something feels shattering or when something outside of us is not working, and instead of disassociating or distracting or numbing or hyper-focusing or controlling, and we say, thank you, Hashem, this is a gift. It doesn't feel like a gift, it's hurting, but there's something here to teach me to release something that doesn't serve me anymore or, or release a, break down a wall or get closer to my heart. And the faster we tune into that, the less destructive and intense that shifting happens. The more we ignore, the more th- that shift that has to happen has to scream and has to yell and has to tantrum and has to like become so extreme to wake us up. So the faster we, the, le- the less we resist and the faster we go in, and I'm not saying it's easy and it's scary and of course we resist and of course we fight. But over time, I could say with my own experience in the beginning, sometimes I would literally, I had to like have like my whole home feel like it was going to bomb and like be <laughs> like falling on top of me before I would actually like, you know, listen. And, and Baruch Hashem, over time now, sometimes I'll just feel like an, a squeeze in my chest and I'll say, oh, what's going on? And then within 10 minutes, I could have a shift because you begin to trust him more. That's what it's saying. It's saying that the, the louder it gets, it's just begging for attention. So it's like a kid. Your three-year-old is having a tantrum. If you're on the phone and you're ignoring them and saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, they'll get louder, then they'll throw things, then they'll pull out your skirt, then they'll, you know, it's they're they're three they want attention but if you say oh what's going on okay here you know what let me give you a lollipop let me finish my phone call i'm right here hold their hand giving them attention they'll quiet down so it's the same thing like hashem needs to get us get our attention and our our, shem's in our body so all that screaming and raging is just please please wake up please please listen to me like those walls those walls are are blocking us from our true self and from our the vayichi our aliveness Okay. So the whole system doesn't necessarily have to crash. Right. Our system crashes from, from, uh, to, to extreme, when we get to extreme level of disconnect, suppression, disassociation, and running away, how much can our body handle that? At a certain point, we have, we hit rock bottom or we have internal crashes because from way too much distracting and way too much ignoring. We, we actually, the goal is that if we constantly are in tune and constantly slow down and constantly living in flow and listening, we experience a squeeze and we learn the lesson. We experience a squeeze and we learn the lesson. And we're like, squeeze, learn, squeeze, learn, grow, 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 grow. And it doesn't, 
and it's not intense anymore. It's not even painful. Just a squeeze. It's like our body just getting our attention. So yeah, and that and and we can't we can't make our body tune in and be, trust the process faster than it is. Like our body learns slowly. First it tantrums and it screams and yells and it's not, we, we're so we're terrified. We've been avoiding for thousands of years. Like we're we're doing this for our grandparents, our great grandparents, our great 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 grandparents. You know, we have to also be kind to ourselves. Like if we run away first and we're scared, it's 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 also normal. You know, we learn slowly. But it, but this information is to help us. And the more information we have, you know, the faster we can tune in. Okay. So I'm going to continue. So now, we, now the rabbi is going to talk about something also really, really profound. He says, what, he's going to talk about the material. He says, what material did the Romans use to break down the wall and create, create destruction and to destroy the, the base on Megdash? He says they used iron. The material they use is iron. And he said this iron was used for such destruction because it's a it's very strong material and it was used for such extreme destruction so much so that the first and second base on megdash they the jews were not allowed to use iron they used gold silver copper they weren't allowed to use iron because iron was associated with such negativity and such destruction that we like it was like stay away we cannot use iron for anything holy and now the rabbi says something of course which he says every week in different ways but guess what for the third base on megdash it's we're talking about everlasting and we're talking about eternal and we're talking about embodied and for the first two base on megdash we weren't allowed to use iron because it was associated with negativity but in order to have the third base on megdash it has to be everlasting and eternal and so there could be no parts that are not transformed and no parts that can't be used and therefore the third base on megdash not only is going to can we use iron we must use iron and not only that, that the iron is the pillar and the material, one of the main materials to use to rebuild and build the third base on Mindash. And so the Rebbe is saying that we have to take this iron and transform it and use it for iron of Kedusha, in the Rebbe's words. That's a quote. And so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some examples now. And of course, now the, we have to understand that when we're talking about, when the Rebbe is talking here about building the third base on Mindash, we're talking about rebuilding the real version of ourselves. We're talking about our bodies here and our homes and coming and like really creating, recreating like, okay, many of us have created, hit a rock bottom or our life, our first version of ourselves fall apart. We don't know who we are. We don't know our identity. We're lost. Like everything we ever knew, you know, fell away. Now how do we rebuild? How do we become our true selves? And the rubber says that the main material that we need to use is iron and use it in a holy way. So now we have to understand iron. So I'm gonna give you a few examples. One is, is just a perspective shift that we talked about now. What, why, why couldn't we use the iron for, for the first base? I mean, there's again, because it was used in a negative way. And also because the first version of ourselves, we don't have true perspective. Meaning when we are in pain and when something bad happens to us, we think, oh no, run, avoid, disassociate, distract, you know, even learn more Torah, get in your head, like control, fix. The first base on Megdash is disassociated. The third base on Megdash is being built with looking at everything, facing everything, using everything. So just from our perspective shift, like even the first 20 minutes of this of our conversation today is already a shift of the iron. Instead of when iron comes and tries to break us down, right? Iron is 
negative energy and stubbornness and harshness and, 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 or people or things in our life that are like trying to break us already. There's a transformation when we say, this is not here to break us, to kill us, to hurt us. This is here to break down a part of us. That's not serving us anymore. It's actually a gift. It's actually good strength. It's actually an iron that's breaking down my wall. No one can break down my essence. No one can break down my shina. No one can break down my yifid. That is impossible. So this iron is breaking down something. This negative energy outside of me is, is really a gift. So already there's a transformation right there, just in a shift of perspective. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a few more things. There's a, a couple more things. Now I'm going to say another thing that's, wow. <laughs> I mean, it wowed me when I thought about this um, and when I read it. So everything outside of us, is, um, as you know, as we say many, many times, it, oh, everything that's in the world is also within us, as we say many times. So iron is also represents an energy. Like iron is a material, but also everything is also an energy. And what's the energy of iron? Iron is unbendable, right? And it's like very strong and very dependable and very hard. And this represents stubbornness. And it's always been negative stubbornness, right? Like, and, and again, so the, think about the anti-Semites, right? Stubbornly, stubbornly hating the Jews, killing the Jews, Hamas, stubbornly fighting Israel, sending rockets again and again and again. And like, like no, like, for thousands of years, like people hating us for no reason, just because of the iron, the negative iron of stubbornness. And the Rebbe is saying that the redemption and the transformation of this is that we have to redeem this stubbornness and use it for ourselves. This non-negotiable, I know who I am. We know our worth. We don't, it's, we're, we're non-negotiable. I don't care. We don't have to, we don't have to explain why Hashem chose us as a chosen nation. We don't have to, I have to explain why Hashem gave us the land. This is ours. Now, so standing up and saying our worth and knowing who we are is a transformation. And, that, and basically, like everything else we've been explaining, that when we redeem an energy for good, for transformation, the negative side doesn't have access to the strength of that energy anymore because we use it. We become the owners of it. So when we use that iron strength of iron, we have, we become so strong that no one can mess with us and we take over this iron energy now. And then of course, that's Jewish pride, that's standing up for who we are. Now think about it now. I think it's, I, I really believe I've never accessed the Sikhas like I am this year, starting from Barashas from when the war began. I really believe the rabbi gave the Sikhas for this year. Like it's just not even normal because the war started Shabbos Barashas and it was all about Israel and, you know, protecting ourselves. So li listen to this, that the rabbi didn't, didn't say this in the Sikha about this war, but actually someone, as I was telling, I was telling my friend about the iron or whatever, she said, did you know that this war is called Operation Iron Sword? And the Israelis are calling say it. that. <laughs> on, on Operation Barzal. And I was saying Barzal, Barzal, Barzal. I, I got chills when I heard that. And I was like, okay, there, there's no accident. You know, this is unbelievable. So now I, I was thinking about this. The, the Rebbe prepared us for this. What is this? The Rebbe saying that the siege was there to wake us up and we didn't stand up. To, what is teshuva? It means to return to our strength, to who we really are. Hamas, all these years, has been like the siege, sending rockets and bullets and, and, and coming in and, and shooting people and killing people. And we're like, 
okay, you know, like, did we stand up and fight and say, get rid of Amalek to no end? No, oh, people pleasing, oh, we feel bad. Oh, the UN's not gonna like us. Oh, how are we gonna get our money? And finally, it was like the Romans are like, you're not returning, you're not, you don't know who you are. Okay, we're gonna destroy everything you know so that you can rebuild. It's Hamas is like, okay, the rockets didn't work. We're gonna come in and take all these hostages and make a total havoc and destroy but Hashem is not allowing this to destroy us. He's doing this to push us to do teshuva, to come to redeem the iron within us, to come back to our, to aliveness and to say, I don't care at this point, you know, what the world says. We have hostages in Gaza. They, they came and killed thousands of people. To what, are, are we gonna let this happen again? Never, 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 never. So this is what it's about. It's like, you know, unfortunately, we didn't learn and Israel didn't learn and didn't the, the all you know daily rockets wasn't enough to to shake us up but this level is and the fact that it's called the war of barzel of iron sword i mean i think this is so comforting for us to know that this is about redeeming this strength and to, and it had to be this extreme and the unfortunately why these nishamas had to be chosen to have to suffer is you know i'm not going to address that today but for some reason they were chosen to be used, you know, in this war. But this is about, we need this level for the Jews to stand up to this level and fight, fight, fight till the end and get rid of evil and get rid of Amalek. Okay, so that's, it's gonna, we're gonna even, it's gonna go more, go more than this. Um, okay, so this is what I wanted to tell you about the war. Um, yeah, now we're gonna take this even deeper to our own selves. But I actually will take a pause if anyone wants to ask anything or say anything. Yeah, so I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna keep going. So now let's take this deeper into our own selves and understand what is this iron inside of us? And now in Hebrew, iron is barzel, right? Barzel is iron. And barzel, the rabbi says, is the acronym for Bila, Rachel, Zilpa, and Leah. The four Imais. And it's specifically, we're talking about Parshas Vayechi, right? We're talking about Yaakov. And Yaakov, these are Yaakov's four wives. And this is this is so beautiful. And the Rebbe's saying, why, if these are the Rebbe's four, uh, if these are Yaakov's four wives, why are they written first, the, the maidservant, and then the wife? First, Bila, then Rachel, then Zilpah, then Leah. It should say in order of, it should say Rachel, Leah, Bila, then Zilpah. So the rabbi is, gonna, is saying this, that basically that the fact, the Yaakov had his true geula. He came to Vayechi, and this was Pasha, he came to true aliveness because he faced all parts of himself. We already talked about Vayetze, that he went and he faced his darkness, and Har and Ach, he faced his anger, and he faced, he faced Lavan, and then he came back and he battled with Esav, and it became Yisrael. Now, each of these different parts represent the different journeys of facing himself, and Barzel, his four wives, represent the four parts of like feminine energy, like our deepest parts within ourselves. And the midwife, the maid servant represents the deepest parts, the most suppressed, the most uncomfortable parts with our, like Rachel represents like the, oh, we're perfect, everything's good, like we're beautiful, like, oh, we, we're happy with Rachel, you know, we'll love Rachel and we'll expose Rachel, but Leah less, or Bella and Zilpah even less, like those are the parts of us that like, we're, they're nothing, they're the maid servants, they're like the, ugly parts of ourselves that we don't want to face. 
So the Rebbe is saying, first of all, the fact that Yaakov married all four of them represents that he had true geula. He was facing and loving all parts and, and interacting and redeeming and using and utilizing and experiencing all parts of himself. But even deeper, the Rebbe says, the fact that it says Bill and Zopa first is saying they actually have greater light and greater power because they're a lower level of Malchus. These four wives are the different energies of Malchus, feminine light. And as we always know that the lowest places has the highest light and their deepest truth. And so the Rebbe is saying that Barzel is also is the iron of strength of also like going inside our deepest parts of ourselves and discovering our deepest parts. And the lower we go, the deeper we go, the more painful and excruciating and, you know, uncomfortable the parts are inside of us, the more iron, the more strength, the more power, the more alive we become. And it's specifically in the lower lights and the maidservants parts of us, not the Rachel part of us, the most uncomfortable parts that we're redeeming even greater and greater and greater light. Now, um, now the rabbi is going to say, um, this is how it connects to Vayechi, because Vayechi is the part of Yaakov, like Tchiyas Amesim, we've been talking about it, right? Like there's Tchiyas Amesim, the final Tchiyas Amesim, and there's our personal Tchiyas Amesim now, that coming out of this association, coming out of disconnect and becoming truly alive. So Vayechi, that Yaakov was alive, it means he was fully alive. He accessed all parts of himself. And, and, and the Rebbe says that all of the Avais trailblazed the different parts of our journey so that we have access to all of these lights and all of these strengths. Like we have access to do Lech right? Leave our mind and because Avram trailblazed that for us. We have access to dig inside of us because Yitzhak accessed that. We have access to face our darkness because of Yaakov. And the Rebbe said that the little, that seed of Yaakov, of aliveness, is within each one of us. And the Rebbe is going to say, what does it mean that Yaakov never died? Where we say, Vayichi Yaakov, and Yaakov never died? That it's actually that his seed of strength, of accessing true redemption and true aliveness, never died, and it's always within us. It's a pillar of aliveness that no matter how much we crumble or how dead we feel or how disconnected we feel, there's this pillar of Yaakov, and the, Yaakov, and, and the Rebbe says that this is, is such a, it's like iron. It's a pillar of strength, and the Rebbe says that Yaakov represents the third way, the third path to Pharis, which is, you know, fusion of all parts, transformation of all parts, not avoiding anything, and it's a pillar of strength. And I was thinking about it actually this morning. It hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the Kaisel, the Kotel, right? That the first base of Mezish got destroyed, the second base of Mezish got destroyed, but the Kotel stands firm and stands above it's miraculous it doesn't make sense how is this wall standing so i feel like that's like a mirror to us like this this aliveness this this wall of strength is this yaakov inside of us and so so again and we're going to read all this inside you're going to see it for yourselves but the rabbi is saying that the fact that yaakov never died is that the spark of aliveness is 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 within all of us and um now I'm just going to, I'm going to end off here and then pause for any thoughts or comments and then we'll read it inside and we could discuss. So what is this feeling? What does this iron feeling actually feel like? Because, you know, in this journey of becoming a more personal goala and living free, we access this space that we access this will, this of strength of iron of like Vayechi Yaakov. 
And, and that's, you know, that we have different parts of us. We have our fire and we have like the strength of a lion and we have like, and even Yehuda, we, we talked about last week, what's Yehuda? It's like, it's that self-expression of like, I know my truth and I'm going to stand up for what's right. And, and even Yehuda is more external. This, this iron, the seed of Yaakov is very, very deep. It's within us and it's silent. And we know actually, again, it's, it's feminine. All these, all these different parts. What it, Someone asked me, why is every week you're talking about feminine, feminine, feminine? I'm like, because Geula is about redeeming the feminine. We've always had the masculine. The rede- Mashiach is the redemption of the feminine. So these are feminine parts. So anyways, there's, there's a part, Yehuda is more external. There's a part of us that needs to prove ourselves or express our truth or stand up for what's right. This seed is so, okay, iron, right? Like I said before, it's, the, it's not bendable. It's silent. It's strong. This seed, when we become so alive in ourselves and access such a deep personal redemption that you, it's the Kotel, right? There's, there's been d- destruction and there's been the whole base of just burnt down and Kotel's still standing. Makes no sense. So this is, you could be anywhere. You could be with anyone. You could be in negative energy. People can try to destroy you. People can disagree with you. People can tell you all kinds of things. And you're so strong in who you are and what's true and so connected and feeling Hashem so strong with you and so sparked and so alive, you don't bend, you don't just shut down, you don't disconnect from yourself, you don't people please, you don't need to prove yourself. Even Yehuda, there's an aspect of proving yourself. With Yaakov, it's, it's silent. It's like, think whatever you want, do whatever you want, say whatever you want. Like, this is true for me. And it's gracious. And it's, it's, it's this like, it doesn't bend. It doesn't, you know, a tree, like you could have strong roots and it bends with the wind. Iron doesn't bend. It's like, say whatever you want. It's, it's, it's external. I'm, I'm living with Hashem. Like I, I'm, I'm with this pillar of strength. I, I've transformed myself. I know who I am. And um, it's such powerful strength that you don't even have to say anything. You don't have to change anyone. You don't have to convince anything. This strength of iron, this Vayechi Yaakov, is in, so strong that without even words, it transforms other people because it has such powerful strength. Okay. Wow. Look at the time. I, I did it in 38 minutes. <laughs> yes. Um, where does the Kotel come from? Um, I missed that. I, the, the actual, the Kotel, the concept is not in the actual Sikha. I, what I said ah. is that this morning I was thinking that it's very, it would make sense to me that this pillar that's everlasting, like everything that's inside of us, it, there's a, there's a mirror externally in the world. So I feel like that Kota, like it doesn't make sense that it's standing against all odds. Oh, sure. So I feel like it's a mirror to like, no matter how crushed we feel, there's always that pillar of strength that nothing can bend. And it's like that, that strength of iron. Like, like a muscle. Yes. Like a mushroom. Okay. Exactly. Okay, so we're going to read inside. This is great, actually, because I am on vacation. And I, and I, I'm gonna, I wanted to finish earlier. So we're going to, we'll read. And then, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Okay, two questions. First of all, wow. <laughs> I agree with you. Like, wow, wow. <laughs> Crazy. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, how do we see Jacob's Barzell? Like, I feel like there's a story in the Parsha, maybe something about how, um, 
Paro asked him how old he was. And his answer was, I don't know. Like, I'm wondering how in the Sikha or how in the Parsha are we seeing that inner quiet strength of, of yeah. So it's a really good question. I will, I'll read the Sikha now and you tell me if you see it. But I know what you're talking about, right? There is something where Pare, or like his age, didn't, like he looked younger than he was, or yeah, there was something like that. But let's see if you, if you hear the words. And then what's your other question? The other question slash comment was to hear the difference between Yehuda and Yaakov is so profound. Like even as I was learning this just now with you, right away, my feeling was like, oh my gosh, I have to go teach this to everybody I know. I have to express it. But then actually deeper than expressing it is just knowing this is who we are, even without expressing it. It's like a level I haven't even but it just, it feels so amazing to know there's a deeper truth. There's a deeper identity beyond expression. It's very profound. And yeah. And you know, to me, the, uh, uh, the person in our, in our world who embodied this was the Rebetzin, Rebetzin Chaim Mashka, because mm-hmm. she didn't for bring, she didn't give classes. She didn't go out. She walked, she was Barzel. She was feminine. She walked around. She was alive. She was unconditional love. And she didn't need to prove herself. She didn't need, she didn't need pe- people to call her rabbits in. She didn't need, she just lived Malchus. She lived Geula. She, everyone said like who she was is what was transformational. She came in and, and she didn't, when people came into her house to interact with her, she didn't say, let me inspire you. Let me tell you how to access Geula. Let me be your Mashpia. She said, what are you cooking? Do you have help? Are you taking good care of yourself? What do you do? She loved them. And they said that just who she was, being in her house, being around her as a queen, is what was transformational. She never tried to teach them. This is what it is. I think we could look at the Rebetzin as a, as a role model. And it had to be feminine because masculine is more as Yehuda, right? It's more, I'm going to express, and I'm going to teach, and I'm going to inspire, and I'm going to do. It had to be the Rebetzin who embodied this because it's so feminine to do it, be so clear with your truth. And so no, and, and you don't need any other people's validation. You, you're living it is what transforms the world. It's just by being that, like it's attractive. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because to be able to bring that out. Okay. So I'm going to read, if you want to follow, it's 373. And in the wording of our sages, Yaakov, our forefather, did not die. Just as his children are alive, so too he is alive. That the life of Yaakov is eternal life through it being drawn to his children and children's children for all generations, his children are alive. And at the end of the reading of Parshas Vayechi, with which we conclude the first book of the Torah, we announce strong, strong, and be strengthened as the Jewish custom. The Vehi Yaakov is the strength for the service of the Jewish people throughout all the generations. Okay, now I'm on 375 on the right. And since on the 10th of Teves, there was the beginning of the series of events of the destruction, and a beginning has more strength than the continuation after it, and sometimes even more than the culmination of the matter. Therefore, it has a greater severity than the other fast days, which are connected to the continuation and culmination of the destruction. And from this, it is understood also regarding the good aspect of the fast days, that the 10th of Tevis is the beginning and opening of the good aspect of all the fast days, as we shall explain 
So therefore, this, the good aspect, is with advanced vigor and great strength, more than other facets, including also Tisha B'Av, when Mashiach was born, the beginning of the redemption, as the opening of all new matters of holiness. Okay, I, I think because I explained everything that hopefully you guys, like, I feel like it's very clear once you, like, okay, page 379. Regarding the siege of Jerusalem on the 10th of Tavis, we find in the prophecy of Yechezkel, and you shall take an iron pan and place it as an iron wall between you and the city, and it will be besieged, and it will be a sign for the Jewish people that so Jerusalem will be besieged. And we may say that iron being the sign for the siege also alludes to the destruction of the base of Migdash, since iron is out of question for the base of Migdash, as the verse says, and when the house of Hashem was being built, complete stones were used and hammers and saws. Any iron tools were not heard in the house during its construction, being that iron it is tools. a so, yeah, any iron tools. What did I say? I said something else. Oh, we're not heard in the no, house. Before. I understood oh. that there was no iron allowed. You're right. That's what I said. And you're right. And the rabbi is saying even I, no iron and even iron tools weren't allowed. There was nothing, no association with iron at all. Yes. Um, being that it is associated with the destruction of the base of Megdash, as it says in the Midrash, and this is the donation, gold, silver, and copper. However, iron is not written here, not in the Mishkan and not in the base of Megdash. Why? Since Edom, was, who destroyed the base of Megdash, is compared to to it okay now let's see here and the correction of it is through iron of holiness our sages said any rabbi that is not hard like iron is not a rabbi as it says this is like i feel like the rabbi is saying if you're not living alive if you're not speaking from your heart and you're not transformed are you really a rabbi or you're speaking from your head it was pretty powerful yeah as it says a land that of of uh, Avneha, literally its stones are iron. Don't read it Avneha, but rather Boneha, its builders, which this is the concept of stubbornness in a good sense. The strength and power iron of the essence of the soul through which we nullify the iron of negativity, which is the stubbornness of the evil inclination. And the rabbi is saying, who's a true rabbi? Who's a true teacher? When you're living with your essence, when your Hashem inside of you is expressing itself, then you're giving deepest truth. And this is especially associated with the 10th of Tevez, since the intention of the siege, only a siege without any damage of the wall of Jerusalem, was here, an arousal to do Teshuvah, in order that also the wall of Jerusalem will remain and be complete, as mentioned before. And this idea in the service of Hashem, guarding the completeness of the Torah, I am a wall, refers to Torah, in a manner of strength and power of iron, of holiness, of Neha, Bonah, Torah scholars, iron. So here the rabbi is saying, like what I said before, that really the intention at first wasn't really to destroy. Again, it's to the intention of the siege, the intention of the uncomfortableness, the intention of any destruction or negativity outside of us is to strengthen the iron of positivity, of holiness within, within us. Moreover, also the intention and goal of the continuation, oh, this is 381. I am going to read a lot just because it's like just beyond. It's like, it's... I don't know, I just, it's very clear. Moreover, also the intention and goal of the continuation of the events of the siege, including the use of iron in the destruction of the base of Migdash, since they did not to deshuva, et cetera, is in order that there be the completeness of the iron of holiness in the building of the third base of Migdash. So the Rebbe is saying there was more destruction because we didn't access the inner iron. So we need to go further to break the externals to get closer to who we really are. Um, 
Okay. Now, now I'm going to talk about Bella and Zilpa. I hope it's not too much reading, but I think it's it's good. Can Are I you ask you to? Yeah. Can you expand yeah. on what you just read? I, I didn't understand. Yeah. In your own words. So, well, no, I'm actually going to, I'm going to look, listen to these words, the, just the last paragraph. Moreover, also the intention and goal of the continuation of the events of the siege, meaning when we get hurt and there's pain, but then we don't awaken and we don't do the tissue, we don't come back to our inherent self, we don't learn the lesson, then there's a continuation, then there's more pain, more awakening, more arousal, more struggle. It, and the use of the of the iron for the destruction is only in order that there be the completeness of iron of holiness in the building of the third base of Migdash. It's only for the purpose of accessing our iron within us, our aliveness, which is the foundation of our third base of Migdash. Our aliveness is what makes us become alive and fused. And the, what's the third base of Migdash? Physical and spiritual, body and soul, mind and heart no distraction, no disassociation, all of who we are, our authentic self. Followed? Okay. So now 383. Um, okay. It is an, um, ice five. It is known that the acronym of Barzal is Bila, Rachel, Zilpa, and Leah, the four wives of Yaakov. And to add that also the order of the four matriarchs who are hinted to in the word Barzel, Bila before Rachel and Zilpa before Leah, maidservant before her mistress, is in the order of negativity when a maidservant will inherit her mistress. And we may say that also in holiness, there's the order of Barzel. So the Rebbe is always saying, you could see a negative or you could switch it around to the truth and see the holy of it. The maidservant before her mistress in a positive sense. And by, now th listen to this woman, this is very powerful. And by way of preface, regarding the virtue of the matriarchs surpassing the patriarchs, as it says regarding Avram, whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her voice. Avram was secondary to Sarah with regard to prophecy, similar to the state of the time to come that the female will transcend the male. The woman of valor is the crown of her husband. So first of all, you could say the Rebbe saying, Bila, Zilpa, ah, they're the lower level of women. And Rachel and Leah, ah, they're just women. And the Rebbe is saying, no, actually, the deeper you go into Malchus and the lower, the, the, the most suppressed parts is actually the, is the feminine. And the feminine is the voice of Sarah. It's the strength. And this is the iron also, right? Sarah had the strength of iron. It was like, no messing. Like, we're, I say this so many times, but it's like, we're sending away Ishmael is that the iron strength, like the Operation Iron Sword. Like, we are going to fight till the end. So... Um, you know, and the Reb is telling us like, oh, you might think, who, who are you? I'm just a woman. What do I know? What do I know? The Reb is saying, Avram was secondary to Sarah with regard to prophecy, similar to the state of the time to come, the female will transcend the male. Okay. Specifically through marrying the maidservant, the level of Machas as it descends to Bria, Yetzirah, and Yetzirah, the building and elevating of Machas at the height of perfection is accomplished the maidservant when she will inherit the mistress in a good sense. So again, by redeeming all our parts. And what's feminine? We're talking about machas. We're talking about our emotions. We're talking about our feelings. We're talking about our self-expression. We're talking about authenticity. We're talking about all these. What have we been avoiding all our life? Emotions. It's painful. Our emotions is feminine. That's the shechina. 
So the deeper we go into deeper feelings, it's like the maidservants part of us, the more and more and more we access these deep parts of us. Okay. I'm going to read, I think, just two more paragraphs. Um, or three. Okay, 385. Um, and possibly we may say that the perfection of iron of holiness that is in the third base amygdash will be not only the strength of eternity, rather also in the fact that it will be built not only from stones, rather also from iron, that the iron itself will be a part of the building of the base Hamigdash itself. So meaning that it's this level of iron that we so know our worth and we so know our strength and we're so transformed and so facing all parts of ourselves and so don't need to prove ourselves and don't do things because of people pleasing and do things because Hashem wants us and that's what he desires and knowing who we are and feeling alive that that's how we just flow and we feel like we really feel connected to this powerful aliveness of Yaakov um okay actually yeah so 391 I'm gonna pretty much end the reading with this Based on this, we may explain also the connection to Parshas Vayechi, the culmination of the first book of the Torah, and the strength, strength, strengthen, and be strengthened for all the books that follow. And the content and the strength of the whole time of exile is, and Yaakov lived. Yaakov, whose realm is Torah, he is the middle path, the innermost pole that reaches from one end to the other, from the highest of levels until the lowest of levels, namely that it draws forth and descends below just as it is above with no change and through this the strength of his existence is revealed a true existence an eternal one and therefore from him and through him strength is drawn to all the jewish people for the whole duration of exile that even when they descend into exile they experience a state of anyakov lived true life according to the Torah, which in this is emphasized in true strength and eternity of the jewish people da, da, da. it continues um yeah, but I will end with this. I mean, that's why I see that this pole is the Kaisal, because the Kaisal, through years and years and years and years of Gaulus and exile, it's still here. So the Rebbe is saying, through no matter what exile we go through, no matter what the hardships, no matter how, this pole of Yaakov has always been alive. That's what it means that Yaakov never died. We've, it's not like Gula, and that's what the Rebbe says, like Gula has always been here. It's not like, poof, a, a new reality is coming. It's always been here inside of us. It's just these walls and walls and walls and walls and walls of exile have been blocking us from this eternal spark of Yaakov. And so the iron of the, of the negativity and the anti-Semites and the destruction and the people in our life who hurt us and, and shame us and put us down, all there to break down the walls to access the spark that is alive within us and has always been forever and ever. L'chaim. Okay. By the way, in, in um, these sikhas, it's also, uh, this sikha is the last sikha of the Sefer in Vayichi. Yeah, wow, yeah. For people who don't have the English, then you, I, I could just follow what you were saying. Amazing. It's the same. Yeah, this is a very good translation. It's word for word. Okay, I'm, I'm going to end the recording. Thank you guys for joining.